Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Art Blog Radio. My name's Morgan Nitz, and I'll be your host today. On this episode, I'll be speaking with Jerry Caba and Emily Daly. Hi, I'm Emily. Hey, how you doing? Jerry here. Who are both artists and studio tenants of The Loom, a large repurposed textile mill in Port Richmond, Philadelphia. Um, thank you to CultureWorks for letting us record this episode in their offices, and I do apologize for any construction noises that you might overhear. Last month, tenants of the loom saw major increases in their rent. In some cases, their rent was doubled. Today, we'll be discussing those charges, identifying what they're being used for, and speaking with Emily and Jerry about how they've organized artists to discuss and combat these unwanted and unpredicted charges. Well, um, so monthly we do pay a common area maintenance fee that has just been like going up steadily since Mm -hmm. I got there in 2017, but this last month on top of that maintenance fee we got like a separate charge and mine was for $189. Just mine like, was $400. Yes, <laughs> Jerry's was $400. Um, and, you know, people reached out, like, what what are these charges for? What did we pay for here? Um, and their response was really, like, not verifiable in any way. They just said lots of cleaning, uh, dumpster fines. Um, they also kind of said it was the tenant's fault like, yeah. because tenants have been... Tenants aren't properly throwing away their trash. Uh, These weird little, like, this weird little petty itemized list. And when people, you know, like, questioned them further, well, can I see, like, receipts or documentation or anything, like any kind of invoice, they were either ignored or just told, like, we don't have those. Which was interesting because they said they don't itemize it or have it, but then how did they calculate the cost of the charge if they don't have any paper trail of what the charges are for. So you were a little bit shocked when you saw this. Did each of you reach out as well? Yes, my studio mate directly reached out um, and took the lead on it, and I believe believe almost everyone did. Yeah, my uh, studio mate sent an email being like, this is way out of line from what we originally thought our fees were going to be. And she even sent her, like, the original email that we were sent that had the list of fees that we could expect them to be at, you know, around about. But, yeah, and they just sort of responded with, like, a very disinterested, like, if you don't like it, leave kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of times they just say, refer to your lease. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's in there, and the lease is written in such a confusing way that, you know, and it's our fault for not understanding it, sure, but you'd be hard-pressed for anyone, I feel, to understand this lease the way it's written. And the lease is a triple net lease. Yes, and that is a relatively new thing at mm-hmm. the Loom, where I've been at the Loom since 2008, and this, I think, started about mm-hmm. two years ago. They switched it over to triple net, and uh, since then, that's when all the fees started, and they've been steadily increasing. Um, and for instance, I got an email when they said they were switching to triple net, and it had a breakdown of the fees, and it says these will be the fees you will be paying. And we looked at it, and we're like, okay, well, this kind of stinks, but you know, it's like this amount for water, this amount for insurance, I have it here, we could compare it in a little while, but, so we looked at it, we did the math, we're like, well, this is like an extra like $100, $150 a month or so on top of our rent, and 
electric, but you know, it's still cheaper than other studios, so I guess we'll stay. And in the wording of it, there was no indication that it would go up. It was written as if this is your new monthly fees. And we were like, okay. And then they started going up and they were drastically fluctuating from month to month. Like sometimes $100 more, sometimes $15 more. So, but it was like all over the place. And whenever asked, they were just like, it's in your lease. And to the best of my knowledge, technically under a triple net lease, they can do this. And that's where I would encourage anyone moving into the loom or anywhere, if they tell you you're getting a triple net lease, really look into that because that means you as the tenant are responsible for paying things like basic repairs to the building, their insurance, their water. Basically, they can charge you for anything. You're, they don't pay almost anything. I think major structural things they might be in charge of. but they can charge you legally for anything, and that is under a triple net lease. Had I understood a triple net lease and that they were doing this, I would not have signed. And I see a lot of my friends and former students coming into the loom and signing this, not understanding what they're signing, and then get really surprised by these fees where legally they can do it. But when people sign up, they just say, oh, yeah, yeah, there's some fees. You know, they don't say you're going to get a $400 extra fee every few months. And then people don't know what to do. And they either freak out and leave or they're stuck. Do you have any? Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, just to add on that, typically, like, anytime you get a lease anywhere, you read it. And you're like, oh, there's some things in here that are, like, are questionable. But, you know, I wouldn't expect them to be so shitty as to exploit this lease to the full extent to get as much as they can out of me. But... That seems like uh, exactly what they're doing. And, you know, you have a lease that says one thing, but then you have your landlord or the management or whoever telling you, like, oh, well, it's, it's going to be this much, you know, like, with no indication that we'll expect it to go up as much as we want it to, basically. And that would be a whole other situation if they, like, explain to us, like, you know, costs are going up on this, we have to raise your rent or there was a better understanding of transparency on what we're paying for, it wouldn't be as bad, but when it's completely out of the blue, we get a couple days notice, like this last $400 charge I got, I think a few days before the bill, they sent me an email saying, oh, you might notice an extra fee on your your, your lease, and I'm like, oh, what's that all about? And then it comes, I'm like, $400? Like, that's... Kind of outrageous, right. you know, and, and, and then, then when you ask for why, why and they don't well, have an amp, it's we just had because... to lock doors, we had to yeah. the hallway. And, um... Oh, and, and also, we, we went back and realized that we were undercharging everyone for the past like few months, so now you owe us this money, and that's what that big right. fee was. Right, it was essentially a reimbursement for things they undercharged us for for the last year. I mean, the charges go back to January. Which they also do with the electric and they'll bill you a random amount every month and then every couple months they allegedly read the meter and then you get this bill that says, oh, you actually owe us this much because we undercharge, but when you ask for the actual meter readings, like, you don't get it, you know. And of course, because these were reimbursement for a set period of months, this was also being charged to people who weren't technically tenants of the loom during that time period. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I would like to say another thing that Jerry briefly touched on, something that makes the loom so attractive is they have some of the lowest cost per square foot for studio space. So a lot of artists have no choice but to um, 
just agree to this lease on blind fact that that's what they can afford. Yeah, like for instance, you know, we'll probably dive more into this, but um, oh, let me find it here. I mean, I did the math on mine for, uh, you know, the total that we mm -hmm. paid this month and the square foot that I have, and it came out to, you know, maybe five cents or three cents less per square foot than somewhere like Globe, which is like a beautiful building, and you have the security of knowing what you'll be paying monthly, and you can like accommodate and budget your life, where, you know, the scary part of the loom is it's totally unpredictable. Yeah, like for instance, my rent right now, I have approximately 1,800 square feet, which is pretty good, and my rent did just increase a month or two ago up to... $929.77, and you'd say to yourself, wow, $929.77 isn't bad for 1,800 square feet, but my whole bill for that month was $1,609.45, because I've, I got... Let's see what we got here. We have an electrical expense reimbursement for $35, a use and occupancy tax for the reimbursement of $25.25, common area maintenance reimbursement, that's the monthly camp charge, which is $104, up from like around $45, uh, water reimbursement fee, $30.77, Insurance property package reimbursement thirty five forty four water reimbursement a second water reimbursement thirty seven thirty and then the common area reimbursement the big one and this is charges that they messed up or apparently or something for a few months four hundred and eleven dollars so even without the four hundred and eleven dollars I'm still paying multiple hundreds of dollars above my $929 base rent. So when people come and they say, oh, 1,800 square foot for $900, that's great, but they don't tell you there's like an extra one to two to three to $400 in fees. And this one-time fee isn't the only one now because you'll get hit with a one-time insurance reimbursement fee and you're like, oh, oh, okay, well, I'll pay it. Now they seem to be adding more and more one-time payments. So it seems like every few months we get hit with this like out of the blue reimbursement fee that we weren't expecting and, and it's constantly, constantly changing. They keep changing the way they build the steam, that is the, which is our heat, which we also have no control over. They heat the building from nine to five Monday through Friday, um, not on the weekends or evenings when a lot of artists work, but you get paid or you get charged by your square foot, but you don't know how much it actually costs to run. You have no control over your heat and some units are 100 degrees, some are like <laughs> 25 degrees, it's all over the place. And that's another one where you just, in the colder months, start getting these huge, huge steam bills, which that has always been, even before these new bills charged since 2008 when I moved in, I, the steam has always been weird. But you know, I'm happy to have heat, but you yeah. know, but the bill can be uh, I just wanted to yeah. add to that, my base rent is $440. But my total this month was eight, over $800. And, um, you know, they do do, like, their reimbursement charges where they undercharge you for electric, water, insurance, heat, whatever. And then they uh, recharge you to, you know, make up the difference in what they 
paid, I, you know, I guess, air quotes. But um, the, where I see the difference here is like, okay, well, you know, I'm kind of warm, the heat is on, there are lights, there is water, like these are things tangible that I can use that I benefit from, but when you get this giant cam charge and I don't know what it's for, there's nothing I can look to or see that has changed in my building, certainly where I am in the building, it's exactly the same, if not worse, than when I moved in, and with tenants I've talked to, that they're in the same situation, where they're like, I don't know what the fuck is different, you know, it's not cleaner, it's not better, it's not anything. I've been there since 2008, I have not seen any major repairs, they did recently change the lights in the hall to more modern LED strip lights for whatever reason the old ones worked, but... Aside from that, I can't see in, since 2008 any major changes. If anything, things have gotten worse. Like elevators work less now than they used to. The door security is <laughs> less. A joke. Our front door to the building of the building I'm in was just open for a number of weeks with no lock, just 24-7 wide open. And we kept complaining and complaining. And it took them probably close to a month to put a new doorknob with a code on it. So the entrance to my side of the building, our door was locked for months, meaning we couldn't even get in. Our fobs didn't work, so we put in, you know, several maintenance requests that they straight up just canceled. Like, we just say, your maintenance request has been canceled. And when we would would try to argue with them about it, they would just say, well, you have another entrance. Here's the key to the fire escape, which... We had to use the fire escape as our main entrance, which if you need to load things in and out of a building is not, you can't do it, you know, so they really uh, fucked my business for a few months that way. And not to mention now under this triple net lease, you're, and when they, when we ask what these big charges are and they say it's our fault because of leaving doors open and toilets running and not disposing of trash, you're now afraid to put in maintenance requests or complain about it being dirty because then they're just going to charge you more, say it was done, but you will never actually see it get done. Mm-hmm. And then the people who, you know, I have, have, have talked to who have said, like, yeah, I've seen, like, some minimal improvements, like my bathroom is a little cleaner. Um, is that them or is that another tenant? It. It, you know, well, that, there is some discrepancy yeah. there. So they do have the bathroom, like, cleaner, but on most floors they do clean their own bathrooms. Mm-hmm. So it's not even, like, a building-wide Thing. Yeah, I've seen the signs that say that the tenants are responsible for... Yeah. Yeah, and some, in a lot of instances they are and they do, but they do have a guy now who goes around and cleans some of the bathrooms. But even that, it's like, you know, is that $400 more per month to do, you know? Um, well, you, um, Emily, were sort of a leading force in organizing. Yes. Once, you know, this most recent <laughs> bill yeah. came out. Um how exactly did you get people to kind of band together and talk about this? Yes. Uh, well, when I first got my bill and, you know, Steph, um, my studio mate reached out to them asking what these charges are for, and just the response we got was so, like, well, you know, check your lease, we can charge you wherever we want, basically, and it's, like, the lack of respect they treat their tenants with, you know, they don't answer your questions, they don't, or they'll selectively answer them, or they'll ignore you, they don't answer the phone, I mean, you can't, you really don't have a voice to these people, and I was just so upset with their response, I mean, the money is one thing, but it's also the principle of how I'm being communicated with as a tenant, I've been there for three years now, just paying my rent on time, doing the best I can do, um, 
So I decided that I was uh, very angry, <laughs> and I, I think for two nights, stayed up all night just like handwriting notes and handwriting flyers and slipping them under people's doors and posting them around the the building, uh, initially thinking like, no one's gonna give a shit about this, like I'm just wasting my time and breath here, but I'm just so upset and like I, I have to do something, I can't be the only one who's experiencing this. And to my, uh, I was really shocked, I mean I got like a ton of responses, yeah, that's like immediately. I found it, because I had tried to do this years ago, a couple times, but I've always like tried to lead the charge and turn around, no one was behind me. And then I saw what you had, you, I think you posted on Instagram, I'm like, oh my god, someone actually wants to, dude, I, I, uh, and so I jumped right in, and I think I contacted you that night, yeah. and we were texting back and forth for a long time, and then I started spreading it on social media too, and then with all your notes, and then with us, and I think Matt, and then your, your thing started off, and then all the other tenants just started like, between me and then everyone else, it, everyone starts sharing it with everyone they know, and within like 24 hours you had like... Yeah, my, it was my, sent to me, yeah. I saw it at least five different times on social media, <laughs> yeah. it was really yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, I mean my messages were just like flooded, and I, you know, <laughs> I was just getting people's first names and having everyone's last name be Loom, so there's just like yeah. 40 contacts in my phone, like back to back, being like Loom, 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 like, people reaching out to me, yeah. I mean, it was really amazing. And that's the thing, I think everyone has been frustrated with the way the building has been run for years, but this recent charge of, like, this recent huge cam charge, I think, was, like, the breaking point for a lot of people that were just, like, you know, we would just get these bills and be, like, great and embarrassed, like, whatever, it's okay, it's still cheaper, I hate this, but now it was just, like, okay, enough, this is just enough. <laughs> Um, I was, you know, a little scared of, like, some potential backlash I would get yeah. from doing this, but I wasn't prepared for the actual backlash that yeah. I did get, which they really, the management tried really hard to intimidate me and make me shut up. Um, I got a text from one of the owners threatening to prosecute me under full extent that the law would allow, and they're going to check the security cameras and all this stuff. For that was over the... For flyers, yeah. for flyers that I hung with scotch tape, I mean, I took a few down myself just to assess, like, can, are these leaving, like, any kind of damage that I can take a picture of? And they didn't at all, like, paint didn't even move. I mean, it was like they were never there. So, and then um, I was just outside uh, talking to a couple tenants, and the building manager saw me from across the street and just, like, made eye contact for me and gunned at me and just started screaming in my face about... Uh, I was I was upsetting the tenants. I was like making people angry at him. I was making people angry when they weren't before. Just like blaming me for people's outrage. And I, I thought I mean I thought he might punch me in the face. Like he got in my face and screamed at me. And I was like, holy shit. And now I'm like so uncomfortable with me there at all. It's really like affected my work. I have like I mean I don't want to say triggered, but like every time I go there, I'm really worried. Uh, that you know, yeah. someone will approach me and scare me, basically. And that's the problem. Like, a, that's just that's not okay. Unacceptable. Unacceptable <laughs> on any business practice. And also, it just shows a clear part of the problem is they're blaming you for the tenants being mad yeah. because you put a note up saying, "Hey, are you also annoyed by this? Let's talk about it." But they don't realize they can't understand that it's not 
you, everyone is mad and we're just trying to all talk to communicate and build a community so we could have one voice instead of sending a hundred emails that mm -hmm. they can blow off yeah, if we can all communicate we'll have a little more power in numbers. You did, there was a meeting that yes. you, the two of you both organized, right? Mostly Emily, yeah. Great, and so that was on Tuesday, September 10th. Um, can you speak to how many people were there? What kind uh, of things you went over? It was it went really well. I mean, I was expect I would have been happy with like ten people showing up, which is what I expected, and I would have thought that was awesome. But I like think forty, yeah, over like forty yeah, people at one more. point showed up. Um, one of the tenants like really graciously let her let us use her house because at that point we were too afraid to even have a meeting at the loom because of what I was going through and. We were afraid, you know, they're, it seems like they're so petty that if they could get us on any little thing that they would, you know, having too many people in a studio space or whatever, um, call, you know, I've had like studio sales been called parties and like gotten in trouble saying I'm not allowed to have a party in my studio, you know, so we decided to have it at someone's house. Uh, 40 people showed and we all got uh, a lot of really good information from everybody in terms of like what's going on with, you know, a potential sale, what have people heard, what does your lease say, what does my lease say, I mean, because our leases aren't cohesive, I mean, aren't, you know, they're not the same for everybody, mm -hmm. uh, and some people have specific clauses written into their leases, some people aren't on triple net yet, it was really interesting to see how different each person's experience is there, but Overall, people are like really upset and angry with what's going on, especially when you have tenants who have been there for 18 years, 20 years, mm -hmm. Jerry, 11 years, and yeah. they're being treated like dog shit, really. Just absolutely no respect when they have very basic questions about what this money is being used for. And then we had a tenant there who just moved in last week, and the look on their face was <laughs> like, oh my god, what did I do? Because they had just been evicted from the Berks warehouse and moved there, and now this trouble is following them there, and um, yeah, so I know that, but the, the biggest part about that meeting, which was great, regardless of, or despite everything, was just being able to get a big mass of people together to communicate and hopefully get on the same page, and to gather information, because we really learned a lot about how mm -hmm. much everyone's paying, and how different things have been resolved over the years, and the more communication you have as a group, the stronger you can be when dealing with dealing with these kind of situations. Right, I think one of our main uh, things with that meeting was like, what is everybody's CAM charge? How much did everybody pay? Can we make some kind of estimate for how much extra money they got from this one extra charge? And if it's like a shit ton of money, then I want to know what, what is going on with the building, why they need this much money so quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this, I mean, Jerry, yeah. is this the first time that the charges have been this high? Yeah, we've gotten the CAM charge, this is, yeah, because the CAM charge, which is the common area maintenance fee, they started off for me at like, I think like around like 20 or $30, and it went up to like 40 it was like around 40 45 for like a year, and then all of a sudden this one, it went up to, the base fee went up to $100 a month, and this 400 and this is the first time I believe that we got this extra maintenance fee of the $400. So essentially that was like $450 more than I was expecting, you know. And then they do this with some of the other bills too, but I've come to expect that. But now it's like 
is this going to keep happening every like six months? Because that's what they do with some of the other fees is they backlog you and then bill you. So if every couple months you, you can't budget. As an artist, we're on a small budget. We try, the studio is something we work really hard to have and it's something most of us can barely hold on to mm -hmm. and we budget for it. But then when you can't budget for it because you don't know what your bill is going to be, mm -hmm. it, it makes it very stressful and difficult. Um, and did yeah. this just happen to you? Sorry. Oh, yeah. This just, I just wanted to add yeah. on to that. My cam, my monthly cam fee started at 17. I moved in three years ago. That was in my initial emails. Like, your fee is going to be $17 a month for common area maintenance. It went up to $50 now, three years later. But then I got that, you know, giant charge this month. So... The camp fees I paid just this month were like two hundred and fifty dollars more than what uh, yeah I was expecting. And if they would just like any anyone that's on a triple net lease, if the owners would just be more transparent about what the money's being used for, and also just do the math on what you expect to spend, and like make a monthly fee that reasonably covers your expenses like a normal rent situation, yeah. <laughs> that would be a lot better for everyone involved. Um, yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, but the the list, the itemized breakdown of the campy they sent just did not make sense. It really didn't. I mean, I can't... It was a little passive-aggressive. It was extremely <laughs> passive-aggressive, and they're trying to pit tenants against each other. They're trying to make us blame each other for these charges, but... I mean, it seems like we're seeing past that at this point because, you know, we've been here for, I've been here for three years, Jake's been there for a long time, and we see the tenants, we see the building, we see what goes on, and it, it's not reflective yeah. of, what the, of what the working space is like in there. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think it's just tiring. I think, Jerry, you, you just went through another experience yeah. like this mm -hmm. in Burke's Warehouse yes. when it sold to a New York developer. Can you talk about that? Yeah, it was, it was kind of horrible. So we, which similar, there are rumors which the loom will not confirm, but we've sort of had confirmed, but it is speculation that the loom is for sale. <clears throat> Some people are even saying it's the same person who bought the Burke's Warehouse, which has me really scared. Um, I currently still live at the Burke's Warehouse, but what happened there was we, a lot of us have been living there. I have been there also since 2008. There's, there was businesses, John Bola had his shop there for I think 18, 19 years. There's people who have lived there for almost two decades. Most of us were there over a decade. and. We heard rumors that the building was for sale, but you know, no one would tell us for sure. And like these guys in suits and clipboards were coming through our apartments with tape measures, and we'd be like, "What's going on?" They'd be like, "Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing." And then like a big machine would appear on the first floor taking core samples, and we'd be like, "This seems like the building's for sale," but no one would confirm it. And then all of a sudden, the building was sold, and we had a new owner who was, I, we believe, someone from New York, and. They hired a local Philadelphia management company, which I should not say the name of, but they're wonderful. <laughs> um, and so what happened was then, had the Burke's Warehouse, we were all on month-to-month -month leases, and right as the building was selling, they kind of like came up to us, like I got approached in the hall by someone I trusted who had been working there for years and was like, oh, oh, can you just sign this really quick? And I, and I didn't even have time. I'm like, he's like, I, I got to get these signed. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, oh, it's just 
confirming your month to month, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I trust you, which was my fault, I should have read it, and what it was, was confirming, yes, we were all a month to month, which is true, and again, nothing the new owner did was illegal, I want to stress that, but was it cool? No. <laughs> so what happened then was we all confirmed we're month to month, new owner comes in, he decides he wants to make major changes, not so much to the building, but to the rent. So at this point, had we all organized, right, and said, we're all in month to month, we all communicated, we went to the new owner and said, look, because they, they did tell us that we we're going to be put on year-long leases, but if we all went at one time and said, we all want our leases at the same time, we don't want to be raised more than like $100, and we'll all sign or we'll all leave, they would have had to have listened because uh, someone who buys a new building can't afford to have an entire building empty out and be vacant for like two, three, four months. They depend on that income. So what they did was kind of brilliant on their point is the part is they systematically did it. They picked like four or five of us. I was in the first wave and they said to me like, um, your rent is going up $400 a month or get out in 60 days. And we we're just like, whoa, wait, wait, can we negotiate? And for me, I explained I've been here for, you know, 11 years. I have a lot going on. Like, being out of here in, like, under 60 days or in 60 days would be almost impossible. And I quote, they said, it's not my problem. And, and like, you can't be human. I've been a good-paying tenant for 11 years who's never missed a payment. And, like, if they would have been, like, look, we want to flip your unit, Here, can you be out in four months, six months, what do you need? That would have been one thing, but they're like, 60 days are out, and again, legal under the lease. But, so I was in a situation where I was like, well, I have, I, I can't do that, and $400 is a lot, but I'll have to make it work. So I signed the lease, and myself and one other person I know of signed it, and then a couple other people were like, no way, we're out of here. So then they were like, okay, well, we got two staying, two leaving, we'll, we'll fill those. And then they did a second wave, and they just straight evicted a bunch of people. Um, they kicked out the Jambola shop, and they kicked out my neighbor Ivan, and then they had large units that you could tell they're going to subdivide up. And then once they got that situated, they went to the next one, and they kicked out a bunch of people or doubled their, they either straight evicted or doubled their rent in some situations. There's one woman who lives in the building. She's, I think, in her 60s. She doesn't even have a functioning kitchen in her unit. It's like living in almost squalor, and they said she could stay, but they were doubling her rent. So they essentially evicted her because she couldn't afford that. So at this point, the Burstware House is almost completely wiped out from all the long-term tenants, I think. Without an exact number, I want to say there's maybe like four or five of us that are staying for now and so you saw this whole community that had been living there for over a decade paying their rent being good tenants new owner came in and just decided i want a lot more money for these spaces pay it or leave which again is legal but not cool and i do feel if we would have organized in the beginning we would have had a better fighting chance but everyone was afraid to speak up because they would be like oh well i didn't get my rent raised so i'm just gonna like keep my head down and hope it goes past but it didn't it hit everyone just you know systematically like three at a time and some people I think thought they were gonna miss out and be okay but I don't think anybody was um, 
but again, so if we could have all organized in the beginning, that's why when I saw Emily post this and all the stuff that's been going on and the rumors of it selling, it's like we need to organize now and come up with a plan because if this sells the same, if we want to stay, the same thing might happen. And if we can have an organization, we have a better chance of being at the table making some of the decisions or being part of the decision making of the future of the building. Yeah, I mean, just to add to like rumors of the building being for sale or being sold, I mean, we did get some like pretty uh, strong confirmations from two of the maintenance building manager people at the loom, and we also got pretty much a confirmation from one of the owners uh, that there is a sale closing in November, which is really troublesome because nobody, you know, they didn't even tell us the building was for sale or that there is a sale closing in November. Uh, I did hear from a building manager at another studio location that it is a New York-based company and that uh, one of the tenants speculated. Like, he, he is saying that it's the same person that it is the same company that has, that manages Burks now. And uh, it's really concerning because we just, you know, had these giant campies and there's also zoning notices around the building now that they're trying to get, uh, you know, zoned for residential in the loom, which sort of falls in line with like this, are they going to kick us all out and put in condos? Are they going to systemically raise our, you know, fees, which they're already doing? Um, it is just really concerning. It seems like the same situation is going to happen. Mm. Well, I w we are re reaching our time for the day, but I wanted to finish with some, you know, encouragement from the two of you who have been so great in organizing yeah. for other artists who might find themselves in a similar situation as Philadelphia continues to grow larger and to be populated by more New Yorkers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing I can't stress enough, and what I've seen now, and I wish someone had told me back in 2008 or nine, and, you know, it's a s systemic problem where us artists tend to also be poor, so we move into areas that have dilapidated buildings or a little more rundown, empty spaces, and then, you know, the classic story, we move in, we fix things up, then the developers see it and they want to come in, and then they buy it and push us and the locals who have been living there their whole lives out. And I think the best thing we can do as artists is band together. Maybe you can't buy a six-story giant city block warehouse, but what you can do is get together with two or three friends, find a building you like that's maybe like 2,000 square feet and buy it. Get your act together and buy property and set down roots become a part of that community in which you're moving into. Don't be a part of its destruction, become part of the community and then work with the community to stop the developments from coming in. And that's the only way, because us as artists, we come and we're followed and we're pushed out and we're just like part of this wave that gets pushed through. But if we could all put roots down and become part of the fight and become part of those communities instead of destroying them or helping destroy them unintentionally, we could become part of those communities we might be able to help stop the ultimate demise of them and there's you might be saying well I'm a broke artist I can't afford to buy a house but there are so many city programs to help you with that I've been going through the process recently for instance if you're in Philly there's the NKCDC the North Kensington CDC um, they have a new program from the city which gives you $10,000 towards your closing cost and all you have to do 
all that you have to do is go take this course that is free and they will sit down and coach you and they'll actually go over your expenses with you and determine if you can actually afford a home and then they explain to you the whole home buying process so if you're not even sure it seems like a a crazy idea just go take this course it's free you'll learn if it's actually feasible and then you'll be available to get this city funding there's also this homestead um, act I don't know the exact name of it through the city which offers you tax exemptions there are so many things to help us buy properties and that's the only way we're gonna stop this from happening and protect ourselves is to buy the properties and stay put when the developers come and become a part of those communities and you can do it you just have to you know do it yourself or get get some friends together and you know make it happen yeah there um there <clears throat> a lot of the tenants at the loom myself included are already talking about doing something similar like forming an llc buying some properties setting up a new uh, studio space because while we are going to try to you know fight what the loom is doing as best as we can you know are we gonna make them less greedy people um i don't know so we are already considering other options and it does seem like there are a lot of spaces out there where it could be doable so i think that's a really great point i mean don't rely on your landlords or the cool chill studio spaces I mean there's been a lot of like shady stuff going on with yeah. you know developers buying up these spaces really quickly and like uh, yeah. you know kicking everybody out I so I think I mean if you just to... look at the last few years I mean sculpture gym their building was bought and torn down the resource exchange was just bought and torn down the Berks was bought everyone was pushed out we don't know what's going on at the loom space 1026 lost their building they they were a good example of they're a 501c3 and they now raised money and bought a building so they'll be safe for the foreseeable future if not forever but they lost their building because of development so many buildings are just coming and like being purchased and the artists are being thrown out so and the list goes on and Philomoka was just shut down temporarily for who knows what reasons. There was that mysterious fire at the Vox building. There was, you know, so, and, you know, maybe it was a nasty neighbor, maybe it was an accident. There's also conspiracy theories that in most of uh, some of these situations, it was developers trying to force the current owner to sell. Mm -hmm. So you don't know. It's just, it's we're out of time in Philly where the good old days of abundant cheap studio space is is going away and if we want to sort of have this really rich vibrant great creative DIY scene here in Philadelphia to survive we're all gonna have to you know watch our wallets a little <laughs> bit and figure out how to, to, to hunker down and be get a piece of the pie great well I, I also want to finish by um giving you both an opportunity to tell us about any recent projects that you're working on, if you'd like to. Yeah, um, so I'm part of a collective called This Many Boyfriends Club. We just had, uh, ironically enough, we just have some work go uh, being sold through Urban right now. So that's exciting. Congratulations. Also, yeah, it's, it's, 
It's a good thing. It's a bad thing. It's something we had to grapple with a lot, right? But, you know, in the long run, we decided it's not in our best interest to hold ourselves back. And if we can get as big an audience as we can and sort of be transparent about what we're doing, then, you know, that's what we want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as always, I have practice gallery in the 319, the Box Building. We have a new show every month. Um, Keep an eye out for Awful Wrestling. We were going to be back in November, but with the thing at Philomoca, we're temporarily homeless, so we're looking for a new venue for that. And Awful Wrestling will be at the Weirdo Fest this Sunday. It just comes out by then, um, or no, this Saturday, um, outside of Fireball Printing. And then um, I also do Modular on the Spot. We'll be doing that at Bartram's Garden this weekend also. Um, it's a modular synthesizer picnic. It's free. Bring a blanket, come lay in the grass, and listen to some musicians play music. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Art Blog Radio, which is available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, Jerry and Emily. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>